Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. Want to make 2017 your best year ever? Then let me be your teacher, your mentor. I've prepared special courses and webinars for you that will help you succeed and to give you access directly to me. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up today. You have nothing to lose. Try me for 30 days and if you aren't satisfied, I guarantee you a full refund, no questions asked. Don't go it alone. Let me be your guide at mojouniversity.com. Be successful today. Hello and welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here, and I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest, Scott Wentrip, to the show today. Now, Scott is the author of High Velocity Hiring, and he's the founder of Wentrip Consulting Group. Now, for five consecutive years, staffing industry analyst has placed him on its Staffing 100 ranking, a list of the 100s. Uh, most influential staffing leaders in the world. Uh, he's also a member of the Million Dollar Consultant Hall of Fame and was recently inducted into the Staffing 100 Hall of Fame. Join me in welcoming Scott Wintrip, author of High Velocity Hiring. Scott, welcome to the show today. Steve, I am thrilled to be with you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, my pleasure, Scott. And I'm looking forward to talking about uh, your great book and asking you some questions about that. But before we do, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? I'm going to give you two, if that's okay. One oh, absolutely. Is, I, I thought of one. One is uh, I'm driving my what my son refers to as my cost-effective midlife crisis car. I turned 50 in April, and uh, I bought it a couple months before that, my Mazda Miata, and uh, I had driven the, the Prius, the dad car, for a number of years, but both him and my daughter are out of the house, and I grew up a prudent Midwestern boy, so it's not like I was going to run out and buy a BMW or Mercedes. I still have that prudent <laughs> side. So I bought, I bought the cost-effective version. And my son knows me so well that when I told him what a great deal I got, he's like, only you, Dad, would get the cost-effective midlife crisis car. So I've been enjoy, enjoying driving that thing. And what I haven't been driving that, my wife and I love to travel. And we went to one of the most we, – we've been all over the world. Uh, we went to the most interesting place. Uh, it was only an hour and 15 minutes away, but a world away, and that was Cuba. Uh, if you had ever told me I'd go to Cuba in my lifetime, I would have told you you're crazy. It was just fascinating to stand in, in Revolution Square 
Wow. And, and, you know, look around and to see how the Cuban people have, have had to deal with communism and the impacts, but to see how gracious and generous and, of course, put on a few pounds with all the food. So I had to oh, share that as well. Nice plug for anybody who's into different cultures. What a great place to go. Uh, that sounds like a wonderful trip, Scott, and thanks for uh, sharing that with us. Uh, I concur. I uh, I wasn't sure in our lifetime uh, that we would ever have any kind of relationship with Cuba. So uh, very cool, and thanks for sharing that today. My now, uh, Scott, I want to talk about your book, High Velocity Hiring, and, and get your opinion, because uh, everybody that listens to this show uh, has to hire and fire people. And so they're always looking for folks, and uh, it, it, it's really a common component that people today are, are they're really struggling uh, with finding the right people, putting them in uh, the right job, and, and really staying on top of the, the, the hiring situation. And uh, before we get into specifics on the book, why don't you share uh, why uh, high-velocity hiring? What, what caused you to put together this great book that's really, I think, the, uh, a, a great how-to guide? So December of 2015, the time it takes to fill a job called Time to Hire hit its first historical peak of the previous 15 years. And that was 26.2 working days. Not calendar days, but working days, so more than a month. And that was stunning to me. I, I've been involved in hiring for 30 years. <clears throat> and when I got involved in it 30-some years ago, we didn't have all the tools that we have today. We didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't have social media. We didn't have job boards. We had to do it the old-fashioned way as we drove the horse and buggy to the, the job site. <laughs> I'm not that old, but, but, you know, we didn't have what we have today. We weren't as connected as we are today. But it hit this all-time high. I'm like, holy cow. Well, then the following year, it hit another all-time high, April of 2016, 29.6 working days. So in 2015, it was that summer, I said, it's time. You know, I've had this way of filling jobs in an instant, because there's no mystery they're going to open, so you cultivate the talent ahead of time. And I said, now's the time. I've been doing this work in my consultancy since 1999. It's time to share these successes and how to do it with a bigger audience. And, you know, in 2016, uh, that was validated as I was actually writing the book in April of 2016. When I hit that next peak, I said, yep, now was the time. This is a problem that's not getting any better. And I, I predict, Steve, that, that it's going to hit another all-time high. It's going to top over 30 working days this year. And that's a problem for leaders who want to lead well and have the people that help them do the work that needs to be done. Absolutely, Scott. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and uh, I'm absolutely certain it's going to go over 30 days. And as, as uh, the economy continues to improve, uh, it's going to get worse still. And uh, I, I find uh, this, this idea that it takes that many days and that long to hire people really a, a really a huge drag on company profitability and culture in the company. And what I've noted in dealing with a lot of companies myself uh, in this area is that there, there has uh, evolved this tendency to interview people four, five, six, sometimes even mm -hmm. eight mm -hmm. times with people. Yeah. And uh, tell us, uh, I know you address this in your book, but tell us in your words, why is hiring broken so badly? So there are actually three things that are slowing down fast hiring. 
The first is an inefficient process, and it's really a process problem. People have not baked in a process that's built for speed. The second thing is that that process I just talked about is driven by a four-letter word, and I promise uh, it's not a bad one. It's just a scary one, and that's fear. You know, this is a fearful process. People, leaders, have been told to be slow to hire and quick to fire. That's driven by fear. They've been told the cost of a bad hire. They've had their reputation suffer. So this fear of making a bad choice has actually influenced that first one, which is the process. This process has gotten longer and longer because people are afraid that they're going to you know, pick the wrong person and it's not going to work out. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that leads to the third thing. And the third thing is that people are not cultivating a robust flow enough of talent. Uh, they're buying into this skill shortage. And there is one, but that's actually not the issue. When you have the right process, the skill shortage actually becomes irrelevant because you can draw in enough people that you have enough to select from, and if you have a nimble and fast process, you can not only fill your open jobs, but you can have them lined up before you need them. I just love that. Uh, I, I love that, and I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, the, the slow to hire, uh, or, or I guess uh, the, the slow to hire, fast to fire method, I mean, holy smokes. Uh, what are you going to learn in the eighth interview you didn't learn in the top two or three right. if you had a real process? <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. yeah. You know, but I see this happening all the time, uh, and it's been influenced by even some very large uh, high-profile companies that are doing this very thing where they're doing four or five interviews and they're doing group interviews and uh, it, it, it just, I don't, I don't get it. So if we were going to be, uh, in reading your book, you actually talk about some very, very good steps. You outline uh, in the book there are uh, some great steps. And uh, one, the one that really I like uh, and want to dive into is very step one, where you talk about hiring the right profile. And uh, why don't you tell us, how do we get out of this, this uh, crazy loop that everybody else is in, and how can we get, begin to stand out and develop our process? Well, so here's the fun part where I get to talk about my wife, because I think that dating and hiring have a lot in common. And one of the things that's in common is, especially if you've been down the path like I was, where first marriage that didn't work out well, to highly incompatible people, and we were so stubborn, it took us 10 years to figure that out. Uh, had a son together, that was one of the great gifts. But you know, you don't want to repeat that process again. So that slow to date, uh, fast to fire, <laughs> I never said that before <laughs> dating, but I'm pretty sure you know that would be a normal thing. I decided to not do that and not be the typical guy. And, and I, what I had to acknowledge was that I really hadn't engaged what I would call healthy dating, like I had in unhealthy hiring. And so I put my money where my mouth was. I was sitting there thinking, I don't know how to date. What am I going to do? And I was like, you dummy, you always say that dating and hiring are a lot alike. Put your money where your mouth is. So I started with the higher right profile, the thing that you talked about. The hiring blueprint became my dating blueprint. This is the person who fits the role. And notice, Steve, I didn't say perfect or ideal because that's a setup for failure right there. Right, there is no right. such thing. No, there's right. a person who fits that can do the job. So I started there. And I sat down and I thought about you know, the relationships that have worked in my life. 
and what made them work, what were the patterns, and that became my list of deal makers, the must-haves. Then I thought about the relationships that hadn't worked, not just my marriage, but other relationships, dating and social, that hadn't worked, and what were the patterns there. Those attributes about the relationship, those became my deal breakers. Then I got to dream a little bit. I got to think about the pluses and the minuses, and this became my dating right profile. And my only fear was that this would become a cold, dispassionate exercise versus fun, and that was not the case. Just like in hiring where my higher right profile let me be completely present and get to know the person and just check the boxes after the fact, the same thing with dating. I knew who I was looking for, and I went through you know, a whole bunch of first dates and some that went a little bit further. But you know, after a couple of years, I met my current wife. In fact, our, our anniversary is this Saturday. I couldn't be more in love. I couldn't have a better marriage. I couldn't be more passionate about this person who is my partner if I tried. I mean, I nailed it, Steve, and I nailed it because I had a blueprint. When we apply that to hiring, the same thing works out. And hiring, I think, is easier because we're not dealing with chemistry like we are in dating, but we are dealing with emotion. And that's what most leaders forget is this is an emotional process. It's not just driven by fear, but it's driven by connection. And the moment we actually start liking and getting comfortable with somebody, we start to negotiate with ourselves. We start to go, well, you know, he doesn't have the skill, but I like him. Or she doesn't have this skill, but she would fit in well here. And then we wonder why that doesn't work out. The hiring profile, if you build this ahead of time and stick to it, you're creating a blueprint for success that helps you pick the right person every single time. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Uh, you and I are kindred spirits, even though you didn't know it. Uh, now, how long are you? Uh, uh, how long have you and your wife been married now? Uh, so it'll be five years uh, this Saturday, and we'll be together eight years, just a few months after that. Gotcha. So uh, my wife Cindy and I uh, have this is uh, my second uh, marriage. My first wife and I were married for uh, 28 years, and unfortunately, she got sick with cancer and passed away in less than six weeks. And so I mourned for four years, figured out that, okay, I think I could actually meet somebody without comparing her to my wife. And I had Mm -hmm. my own job profile. And (laughs) uh, I did exactly what you're talking about. I'd had a wonderful relationship for 28 years. I didn't want to go into something that was going to be a train wreck. And uh, I met my ideal woman. She fit all, checked all the boxes, but I knew what those boxes were. Uh, She had to be extremely proactive. She had to be decisive. She had to like business. Uh, There were a number of things that, that I had to check off and boy, did she check every box and we're celebrating uh, our eighth anniversary coming up in uh, September. Congratulations. So I, I get it totally, and, and, and yet I think in business uh, so many times, uh, we honest to gosh, uh, I think we do things backwards. We wait until a position is open, and then we are in a panic because now we need a butt in the seat. Is that a fair statement? Oh, well, you just described, Steve, the old way of hiring keeping a job open until the right person shows up. So what does that mean for us? Well, if I'm a leader, I now have three jobs that I have to do at once. I have to do my normal day-to-day job of leading a department or a company or whatever it is I lead. And now I have to manage the work of this open seat. 
And chances are it's not the only open seat. I either have to do that work or I have to pass it on. I have to oversee it. So that's job number two. And then I also have to somehow fit in interviewing job number three. But I'm doing interviewing under duress because I have two other jobs I have to do at the same time. So is it any wonder that leaders are stressed out? Is it any wonder that, you know, when this process takes as long as it does, the whole vicious cycle has to repeat over and over again? This is why I believe in the new way of hiring, and that's what the book's about. It's cultivating top talent. You wait for the job to show up. No stress, no rushing around, no, no mad dance like in the old way of hiring. Sure, you may have to fill some open seats when you first get started in this process, but once you do that, you cultivate the people before you need them. You line them up, and so when the job opens up, you literally fill it in an instant because you planned ahead. And that's the difference in this is instead of working from behind and acting all surprised when the job opens, I mean, there's no surprises here. We know jobs are going to open. I tell leaders all the time, we're planning for the when, not the if. And some of them go, but I've had people here for 20 years. I said, yes, but we don't know what's going to happen with them tomorrow or the next day or the day after. Do you want to be caught off guard? And some of them don't. And some of them do. And then they come back and said, oh, I wish I'd planned ahead. The, the new way of hiring does that. You have who you need, when you need them to get work done. I, I love it. And, and I totally agree. I mean, I know it's so important to plan ahead. And I mean, we think about it. We plan ahead in our business. We create budgets. We create forecasts. We allocate resources in order to make profits. Uh, why in the world would we not do the same type of planning for the people that we need in our business. But so many uh, people don't do it. They they just absolutely don't get it. And uh, so your book talks about how to put that process in place. And I'm not going to go into an awful lot of that today because there's so many good examples in your book that I want to encourage everybody to make sure that you get a copy of High Velocity Hiring. I'm going to make sure that I put a link directly to the book for you to get your own copy, but you absolutely owe it to yourself to to really understand what Scott's talking about in a deep and detailed way. Because uh, if, if you get the process correct, I promise you it's gonna be so much easier for you to run a successful business. So uh, Scott, you talk about having, uh, in the book, I do, do wanna talk about this, you talk about having uh, I believe you called it deceptively simple questions that uh, interviewers need to be aware of. Uh, would you mind talking about that? And, and once you get to that interview, what are, what are some of your secrets that uh, you use in order to have great interviews instead of the typical ho-hum, I wasn't ready to even conduct this interview that we see so often? Yeah, I'm just, I'm picturing, you described it so perfectly, Steve, I'm picturing so many of the interviews that I've been through. Uh, I'm not a fan of conventional interviews. Uh, Conventional interviews are where two people get together and they talk conceptually about doing work, hoping and praying this is a good indicator that the job's a fit. There is a reason that talk is cheap. And in fact, I can make the case to you that talk is actually quite expensive. When we sit down across from a candidate and a candidate sitting across from us, we have to remember that both parties are engaged in what I call the tell, sell, and swell. Both parties are telling the other what they want to hear. 
they're selling each other on the best parts of themselves, the candidate, or the best parts of the opportunity, the employer doing that. And then they try to swell each other's egos and pat each other on the back. And I'm not trying to throw everybody under the bus and say, hey, everybody's being de- deceptive. It's only natural that you put your best self and the best parts of your company forward. But when you think of it in that light, is it any wonder that interviews don't turn out well? It's a conceptual conversation. So, <laughs> That's I so believe true, in, Scott. <laughs> isn't that amazing? And it's so I, the true. The thing that I'm amazed by is that I'm the guy that figured this out. Uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, we keep doing it the same way, not because it's right, but because it's how, how it's always been done. And the result is terrible. So, so you would ask for advice. I, I believe in really simple questions. So if you ask a question that's 12 words or less as an interviewer, I happen to call those launching questions because they launch people in the details. You get out of their way. So I think questions are great in a, a phone interview, and then in a face-to-face interview, you have people do sample work because that's not talking about doing work. That's proof they can do it. But to get there, we, we, ha- we have to have this phone conversation. So I'll give you two. Right. Why cool. us and why now? Could it be any simpler than that? So Steve, why I were interviewing why Steve. Now? Why us? Yeah, if I'm interviewing you, why us? I learn a couple different things. One, I learn if you've done any homework. Right. I learn why you have interest, or is this just another you know, uh, opportunity you're throwing up against the wall and hope it sticks. I get to learn the extent of your research, whether this is a job move or a career change or something you're passionate about. And then why now? Why now also goes to motive. Motives are what drive us as human beings. So I get to hear your motives. I get to hear why this timing is a perfect and how it fits into your career plans. But even more importantly, I get to hear how you communicate and interact with me. I get to listen. Did you pay attention to my questions? They were awfully simple. If you can't understand these, you're not going to understand more complex stuff. I get to see how you interact with me. And then the beautiful thing as a leader is I can take anything you say and just flip that into a question and dig a little bit deeper. So if you say, well, you know, I'm really passionate about this industry. Fantastic. Steve, what is it about this industry in particular you're passionate about? And we get to follow that thread. If you have that kind of conversation, or if the person sounds like they're a fit, then you get out of that conceptual into the practical. And that's where that hands-on interview comes in. And then instead of the eight or nine, or actually you didn't say nine, but seven or eight rounds of interviews that this can grow into, once I have the phone conversation, I can have you in for one face-to-face and if I see you do sample work, seeing is believing, I can hire you if what I see is a fit for our organization. And I can do that in one interview. Uh, I, I just want to reemphasize what you just said. And that is, you've done all of this work on the phone. You get them in. You're testing whether they can do the job. And then you have one interview and you make a decision. Hello. How many of you are trying to pass decision-making off to seven other people? It makes no sense. Uh, You can't get three people together if they all were triplets and agree on everything together. And yet you're trying to get seven different business people together and say, oh, we want to hire this perfect candidate. It doesn't work that way. In fact, if I get all those people in the room together, in fact, I don't need seven, I need four, and I talk about it in the book. I have people who represent each of the four hiring styles. It's the different ways we look at things. And those four people watch that person do sample work, interact with that individual. You can see it right in front of your eyes whether or not they fit. No fuss, no muss. In fact, you know, when, when people 
do that delayed process, you know, and they put people through all these interviews with different people, they're trying to delay making a decision that they're afraid is going to be wrong. And it's not that these are bad people. It's just they bought into a bad idea that I should be slow to hire and quick to fire, as we talked about before. Absolutely. It, 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 and that's why I brought it back up, because I wanted to talk about fear. Uh, too many people today have become uh, what I call decision-averse. Uh, they're they're so afraid to make decisions because they really don't know what the end result was supposed to look like. Yes. So and that's why that hiring profile is so important, Steve. Is that that tells me exactly what I'm looking for and what am I basing that on? I'm basing that on people who've worked well on the job and people who've not worked well on the job. Those deal makers and deal breakers. That's the end result. That's the end result of who I want deal makers and who I don't want deal breakers. And if I just pay attention to those and conduct this very specific, concise, pro concise process, it's rare I'm going to get it wrong. Absolutely. And, and uh, the other thing that I want to point out too, Scott, with your process, uh, when you begin to use tools uh, like LinkedIn and uh, like some of the really good uh, software platforms that search multiple job boards, my goodness, you can really get a, a very deep pool of people that you can talk to. Is that a fair statement? It is. You know, the beautiful thing about <clears throat> platforms like LinkedIn that are part of our networking or job boards that are the hiring stream I call automation, if you tap into those two plus the other six streams, because six streams create this strong pool that I call candidate gravity. Mm -hmm. Now we're tapping into untapped pools of people because no one pool, no one you know element like LinkedIn or job board can tap into all the people. But if I tap into all eight, it actually takes less time to do that, less effort. But I've got a robust pool of people where I play my cards right and I put them through this efficient process. I will always have people ready to hire the moment a job becomes open. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's very exciting hearing you talk about it. And I, I know that there are people listening that are going to want to know a lot more. Uh, so, Scott, why don't you share with people how they can connect with you and uh, then we'll go for, from there. Sure. So let me give the, the website that's dedicated to the book. It's called HighVelocityHiring.com. That's an internal page that it'll take you to on the Wintrip Consulting Group site. You can learn more about the book. There's a video where I talk about it. You hear some details along the lines of what I shared today. Links to all your favorite booksellers. But while there, like you, Steve, I've got a wealth of resources and videos and podcasts and newsletters that are all free. So I hope people will not only buy the book when they go there, but make great use of all the resources I put out on that site every single week. Awesome. Awesome. And for those of you that are exercising, uh, we'll make uh, sure to put a link uh, in this post. So look for it and make sure you go and connect with Scott. And uh, you just got to get a copy of this book and start dog-earing it like I've done and make notes and really learn uh, his techniques because it's quite brilliant. Scott, as we uh, kind of come to the end of our time talking today, if you would, I'd like for you to give uh, our listeners your top two or three tips, action items, if you will, that they should take to begin to really grab hold of this process and move forward. So you inspired me. To, I knew you were going to ask me a question like this, and your work actually inspired me because I know that you talk about being the leader that others want to follow. 
So that, that brings my first tip. And I want everybody to think about the leader that shows up in the interview. And if you're a leader where it takes you three or four or five or six rounds of interviews to make a decision, if you're sitting on the other end of the uh, other side of the desk, is that the leader you'd want to follow? Somebody who can't make a decision, isn't decisive, is decision adverse, like Steve talked about. I'll answer that. No, leader. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. No, that's not the leader I'd want to follow, and I bet that's not the leader that any of you would want to follow. So be the leader that others want to follow, and have it start in the interview. And that's why having a faster process is so important. The second thing, though, and it ties back to that experiential interview, that seeing sample work, I I want all of you listening to seek proof, not promises. Proof, proof that somebody can do the job. Have them show you, not tell you. Because talk isn't cheap, it's actually expensive. If we let candidates talk themselves into a job in our company, we're going to regret some of those hires. But if I instead seek proof that they fit. I'm going to relish every single one of those hires because I saw them do good sample work and I saw that they could do it. I saw that they fit in with my team as they worked with them doing this mock project and why wouldn't I want to hire them and why wouldn't they want to come and work here because they experienced what it was going to be like. Proof not promises and be the leader by conducting leader-oriented interviews that you'd want to be a part of and a company to be a part of. And I can guarantee everybody listening, those two things alone will change how you hire almost overnight. Absolutely. Those are awesome action items. And thank you for uh, uh, really recognizing how dedicated we are to uh, helping people become the leader that other people want to follow. Scott, I appreciate that very much. Uh, our, our guest today has been Scott Wintrip. He's the author of High Velocity Hiring. And uh, I just have to tell you, uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend and suggest that you get a copy of this book for yourself. Uh, it should be something that's uh, in your, not just in your library, but in your hand and more importantly, in your mind and your heart. So you understand how to build a team around you that will succeed and have the same kind of drive that you do in order to be a success in business. Scott, thank you uh, for sharing your wisdom today, and we wish you continued success with the book and in everything that you do. Thank you, Steve, and an early happy anniversary to you and your wife. (laughs) Same to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Steve here, and one last reminder, I want to thank you for listening to the show, and I want to encourage you, go over to mojouniversity.com. Before you forget it, make sure you sign up for our training site, and let me be your teacher this year. I promise you, you're going to be successful. You're going to love it. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up today.